0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Man, it works so much better when I turn the mic on. Welcome to Money for Lunch. It's good to have you here, my friends. We're just going to get the party started with the quote of the day, Um, the quote of the day is uh, from Louisa May Alcott. Um, and I believe she's the author of Little Women. I could be wrong. If, uh, if, if you know uh, Louisa May Alcott uh, and I'm wrong, just uh, let me know. Uh, however, here's the quote. It takes two flints to make a fire. It Takes Two Flints to Make a Fire by Louisa May Alcott. And that particular quote of the day was brought to us uh, uh, from a young lady, excuse me, Amy T., out of San Diego, California. Amy, thank you so much. Some swag is headed your way. Do you have a quote of the day? If we use it on the air, not only do you get credit, but you get some neat Money for Lunch swag, and it could change your life forever. All right. Maybe not, but it'd be fun. All right. Let's get this party started. Um, I'm being joined today by the one and the only Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans, disability benefits and social security disability benefits. A founding partner of Jackson and McNichol. He has been featured on Fox news, ABC, CBS, and NBC network affiliates around the country. He's most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show, discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of the people facing disability. He's also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by National Academy of Best-Selling Authors, with a Quilly Award in 2012 for his contribution as a joint author of the best-selling book, Protect and Defend. In 2017, uh, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. Francis Jackson, welcome to Money for
1: Lunch. Oh, Bert, it's always a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Well, it's always good to have you, and uh, I just want to jump into this because... Again, uh, you know, I, I, I talk about Jackson and McNichol and uh and of course uh for those who are interested in veterans disability benefits, you can go to veteransbenefits dot com as well. But but let's talk about this. Um uh, there at Jackson McNichol, you guys work very closely with veterans benefits. Are there any new developments in that area?
1: Uh there are Bert. Uh the uh the VA has now come out and said that they're um, setting uh, their deadlines for how long it's going to take them to uh, wrap up all the old appeals. I I know that you and I have talked about the fact that they changed the appeal system and became effective back in February of this year. But as you know, the VA has lots and lots of uh, cases. And so they have lots of appeals that go back a number of years and what they have uh, now set as a guideline Secretary Wilkie just came out and told us that what they intend to do is to um, get all of the old appeals what they call the legacy appeals rather than the, right. the new appeals they're going to get uh, all of those done that didn't that haven't been remanded um, they're going to get those done by next year they think and they're going to wrap up all of the uh, legacy appeals by December of 2022, and I uh, I I uh, will be frankly surprised if they can do that. But they, they... <laughs> um, And uh, they, you know, they, they it, I, be... I was
0: I was going to say, I, it seems a very it seems like a very optimistic on the part of uh, Mr. Wilkie there, don't you think?
1: I I do I think that's uh, a little optimistic, but. Um, they're, they're going to hold uh, 36,000 hearings on uh, legacy appeals this year. So they're, they're really trying to uh, make a dent and, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will wrap them all up. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, earlier today, I was on the phone with uh, a client who was uh, complaining that uh, we've been representing him since 2012 and he'd started his claim well before that. and, the uh, latest decision from the BVA was simply to remand his case for further development. And he's pretty frustrated that they didn't just go ahead and grant his, uh, his claims, but that's the way the system works. It, uh, it there's a lot of delay built into the process, but we'll see. I'm, I'm very hopeful that they will in fact um, wrap up uh, all the ones that haven't been remanded by uh, the end of next year. Um, you know, the, the, uh, it's it's amazing, but at my age it seems like the calendar years move very quickly, so it would be nice.
0: It would be nice. So let's talk about your client real quick. Uh so his case instead of instead of getting a, a definite yes or a definite no, uh what was the term that you used? They remanded it, is that what you said?
1: Yes. Yes. And and what happens a lot in these cases, Bert, is um, typically what will happen is the, the VA will turn someone down and they'll, they'll have uh, some uh, medical assessment of, of the case. Uh, that, that's the most common. And then um, we'll get uh, asked to represent the client and we'll go out and get a private physician to look at it and, and submit an opinion. And, you know, uh, assuming that, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good case, and the, the opinion is favorable, and we, we'll send that to the VA, and that then goes up to the board. And at the board, um, they have uh, multiple options. They can say, okay, I've looked this all over, and, you know, I'm giving the, ven- the benefit of the doubt to the veteran, as the statute allows them to do, and I'm going to grant the, the case despite the fact that there was this VA doctor that said something else or VA nurse practitioner or whoever uh or the board can say no the the va was absolutely right and i'm denying the claim or um uh, more commonly they can say you know looks to me like we've got kind of a one one going one way one going the other way and i'm going to send this back and get some more information and see if i can't kind of break the tie here and that that happens a lot in these cases
0: okay so is this like a new trial. When they send it back, wh- what happens? Walk me uh, through that
1: process real quick. Sure. Well, in this in this particular case uh, that I was mentioning, um, the judge at the board remanded it for three things. She wanted a she wanted the VA to update uh, the medical information <clears throat> from his treatment at the VA. Get assemble all of that. Uh, provide that information to doctors at the VA and get uh, an evaluation from a physician about his chronic fatigue and whether that was related to his exposure to various toxins in the Gulf while he was in the Gulf War. Um, secondarily, she wanted an opinion about his sleep apnea and whether that was uh, connected to service. And third, the judge wanted an opinion um from a psychologist about the extent to which his uh, emotional difficulties are related to his service in the Gulf. And prior to that, um, before before the case got to the board, there had been evaluations by nurse practitioners at the VA saying that none of those things were connected to service. And we had gotten a private psychologist to evaluate him and he concluded that, yes, um, he's, he isn't suffering you know, from terrible psychological problems, but he is suffering from some, and they are related to his service. And more important from the, the overall nature of the case, um, we had a private physician uh, involved and in review the case, and he concluded that the chronic fatigue syndrome here was in fact uh, the result of exposure to various toxins uh, in the burn pits in, uh, in Iraq. And so we'll just see where that all goes on Ringman. But uh, my client's just very frustrated because he waited all this time, he got a hearing at the board and it didn't resolve the case, it got sent back. He's already been waiting since April, uh, since they sent it back and the VA hasn't scheduled any of these exams yet that the, uh, that the judge at the board ordered. And he's just pretty frustrated.
0: Sure, sure, absolutely. uh this is one of those situations where uh things move slowly and, and there's really not a whole lot can be done to speed it up um all right so so going back to um uh, kind of my fault kind of went off in this tangent, but any other developments uh when it comes to uh, uh to benefits
1: well one one pretty disappointing one really um, you and I talked uh oh, back in January, I think, about the fact that then-Secretary Shulkin had recommended to the White House that they add some additional presumptive conditions um, and the, for, for people who've been exposed to Agent Orange in Vietnam. And one of those was bladder cancer. Um, another was uh, hypertension. Uh, another was uh, hypothyroidism. And the last one was Parkinson's disease or Parkinson-like symptoms is what they're calling right. it. And the reason that Secretary Shulkin was recommending those was that the American Academy of Science had uh, has continued to do research and they concluded that there was now sufficient medical information to show that there was a definite relationship between exposure to Agent Orange and those four conditions. In, in addition to some others that have already been found to be related to Agent Orange. But the frustrating part is that um, somehow, somehow those things have just vanished from the horizon. Nobody, Nobody's talking about them. The VA is not commenting. Uh, the White House isn't commenting. So some folks at uh, some of the veterans organizations decided to take the bull by the horns and got um, – information using the Freedom of Information Act to see where these things have gone. And it turns out that the answer to where they've gone is that the folks at the White House um, have uh, blocked them. And it apparently is because they don't want to incur the cost that um, giving benefits to these veterans who have conditions like bladder cancer and Parkinson's disease would cost. And so um, the uh, the the lead person on this apparently is uh, Mr. Mulvaney, Michael Mulvaney, who used to be at uh, the, uh, uh, the the budget uh, I, I keep I'm struggling to remember the exact name, Office of Management and budget. There we go. Um, gotcha. And uh, is is now, uh, as you know, a sort of a spokesman for the president on lots of things. But uh, apparently uh, the notion is that the Republicans don't want to uh, incur the cost of paying for our benefits to our veterans. After all, they served a long time ago and, you know, they're not doing anything for us now. And why should we pay all this money? Right. So, uh, that seems to be the uh, the tenor of the discussion at the White House, and it's, it's I know that's disappointing to uh, to some veterans who thought that President Trump was going to be a real advocate for them, but uh, it just hasn't proved out that way.
0: Yeah, that is disappointing. Um, it, it's just um, it's too bad, too bad. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, what about uh, veterans' healthcare? Any any developments in that area?
1: Actually, there's a very interesting development there, Bert. Um, surprisingly, uh, given the state of things in Washington, one thing that the Republicans and the Democrats seem to agree on is that the VA should be able to prescribe medical marijuana to veterans whose conditions uh, could reasonably be expected to be improved by that. And now, as you know, uh, marijuana is on the federal controlled substances list. It's uh, it's proscribed, or prohibited. Um, but this um, bill that uh, the judiciary committee in the House uh, just uh, uh, voted to approve, uh, bipartisan, uh, Democrats and and uh, Republicans voted to approve the bill, wow. uh, would call for the uh, the removal of that prescription and an authorization directly to the Veterans Administration to uh, prescribe medical marijuana for those folks for whom it is uh, medically indicated for various conditions. As, as you know, there are some conditions, particularly seizure conditions, that respond very well to medical marijuana. So um, this is a it's actually a big step. As As you know, marijuana has been sort of going through an evolution over the last decade or so where it's been medically approved in certain states and approved for recreational use in certain states, including Maine, where I am. And it uh, uh, has consistently been uh, not uh, approved in any way by the uh, federal government. So this, this bill is a huge step forward Overall in terms of dealing with marijuana, but it's it's a, hopefully uh, if passed will be of special benefit to a certain group of veterans who really uh, could benefit from that as a medicinal uh, remedy
0: no yeah i think I think that it's good news uh, I think that uh, it might indicate that the federal government is kind of changing their mind and, and maybe looking at this uh, miracle marijuana as, as a possible treatment, uh, not just for our vets, but for our citizens. So I think it's a definitely a positive move. Uh, you know, you had mentioned your client who was suffering from, you know, some P- uh, was it PTSD or maybe some kind of anxiety. Um, and, reminds me to ask you about, uh, suicide prevention. Uh, you know, what is the latest on that?
1: Well, there are a couple of different things going on, Bert. Um, on the, on the one hand, um, the overall demand for mental health services for veterans is, uh, is up. Um, the, the Pew Research Center did a national study um, comparing veterans who served before 9-11 and those who have served since, and there's a, a distinct or I guess I should even say dramatic difference. What you're seeing is that post-9-11, there have been lots of deployments of folks who were not full-time military um, you know, National Guard, Reserves, folks with jobs and families and and other commitments who were not uh, full-time military. And whether that skews the results or not, I suspect it does, but um, regardless of whether it does, what the Pew Research Center uh, found was that post-9-11 veterans uh, are having a much harder time adjusting to civilian life than uh, those in earlier days, and there is, I think, a pretty good argument that a lot of that is because uh, these folks are being repeatedly deployed, you know, yanked up out of their civilian lives, sent overseas, served for six months or a year or nine months or an extended tour of 18 months or something, and then kind of plopped back down in their civilian lives and then sent back again. And, and it's, uh, it's, a very, it's very disruptive for people, uh, not only in the physical and financial ways, but also emotionally. And so there's a lot more need for uh, mental health services. But in terms of the, the suicide piece, um, right now, about 17 veterans a day die from suicide. And that number has stayed at about that same rate um, pretty much for the last well since since nine eleven basically um, last uh, eight years and so what is going on is that the uh, folks in uh, in uh, both uh, on the on the Democrat side and the the Republican administration are trying to put together veterans uh, suicide prevention legislation that would essentially give money to community providers to make more mental health care available to veterans. Um, as as you can appreciate, one of the problems with the VA health system uh, is that it tends to be localized in the sense that up until a few years ago basically there was one big VA facility in most states and if you weren't convenient to that too bad uh, you had to figure out how to get there the VA has done a nice job over the last 5 years or so of of building a network of community services but you know they 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 can't have community services everywhere so the the purpose of this bill would be to provide funds for mental health professionals who are already in place in areas where the VA does not um, have services immediately available locally, because the thought is that suicide prevention really has to be pretty immediate to be useful. And so um, the notion is to kind of spread a broader net, if you will. And it looks like that, um, that is is, is going to, uh, to move forward with a, uh, a three year pilot program um, it's not you know it's not a final result but a three year pilot program would be better than nothing. It would provide seven hundred and fifty thousand to uh, uh, organizations in some kind of test areas to see if uh, if we can do something with it and they they're describing it as an attempt to to do triage. You know, locally on, on the streets and in rural areas and so on, um, and it 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 you know it looks like that's that's going forward. There's been a lot of fussing back and forth between Democrats and, and Republicans over moving the bill forward, but it, it looks like it's finally finally coming together, um, and that's uh, that I think is uh, is actually going to going to happen finally.
0: Man, that does sound promising um that uh you know and, and I love a pilot program I think it's 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 a great way to get real data and not just guess as to what's going to be effective or not so the pilot program sounds like a great step in the right direction
1: i think that will be a good start Bert. i really do we'll, we'll, we'll have to see but that's that's uh, that's where we're trying to go
0: Francis, we're out of time. I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. Always, always uh, glad to to have you on the show and and very happy that uh, there are people like you out there protecting our brave men and women. And uh, if anybody needs to reach out, has questions about your claim or your disability, uh, you can talk to Francis Jackson at veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, thank you so much for stopping by today.
1: My pleasure, Bert. You take care.
0: Alrighty, Good stuff there from one of America's most trusted lawyers, Francis Jackson. If you have questions about your disability, if you have questions about your claim, if it's taking too long, as some of these do, as you heard, go to veteransbenefits.com. They'll point you in the right direction. They'll be glad to talk to you for free. Just let them know you, you heard, uh, heard about him Excuse me on the show here. Do me a favor. Let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people get the benefits that they deserve. I should say, uh, let's get as many veterans to get the benefits that they deserve. Um, And as always, my friends, thank you so much for supporting the show. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch
1: and check out our website
0: at moneyforlunch.com.